Welcome to this week's episode of the International Informant. As always, I'm your loyal host, Owen Buchan. I hope all of our listeners are well, staying safe and happy. We've got an absolute cracker of a show for you today. So without any more delays, let's get into the show. Firstly, in Asia, Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan have announced a ceasefire. This comes off the back of several border clashes earlier last week, which saw deaths on both sides. This conflict has arisen from border disputes between the two nations, but this is intensified over access to water. It is unknown how long the ceasefire will last for. Next, a Russian invasion of Ukraine is looking ever more likely. Global tensions are high, with Russia amassing 100,000 troops on its border with Ukraine, showing no signs of backing down. A frightened Ukraine has been reaching out to Europe and the US for help. In response, NATO nations have been sending armed forces to bolster Ukraine's defences. Despite the threat of imminent invasion, Ukraine has insisted on calmer rhetoric. Elsewhere in Europe, a last-minute agreement was able to prevent a naval clash off the Irish coast. The Russian navies plan to carry out a live-fire exercise southwest of Ireland, much to the protest of local Irish fishermen. The Russian naval exercise is outside of Ireland's territorial waters, but within its exclusive economic zone. Tensions eased when after a meeting with the Russian ambassador to Ireland, a 60 to 80 kilometre buffer zone between Russia and the Irish ships was established. It's unknown how long this will last. Over in North America, Mexico has been ranked the deadliest country for journalists. This comes after a slew of murders, with seven media workers killed last year, and one killed just in the last month. A US-based committee to protect journalists estimated that 95% of murders of journalists in Mexico remain unsolved. The Mexican government's protection programs for journalists have proven to be ineffective. Journalism in Mexico still remains under threat. Lastly, in Australia, the 2022 election campaigning has begun. Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party has been on the forefront of campaigning with her political cartoon series, Please Explain. To the left, the Labour Party has been capitalising on PM Scott Morrison's various controversies and failures, including the Novak Djokovic affair, the rise in Omicron cases and Covid recovery as a whole. Labour is leading in the polls currently, but the possibility of another surprise victory for Scott Morrison is still on the table. So that's been our stories, taken from our excellent writers over at The Brief. Now, on to our guest section. So, now on to today's guest. He's been a part of YGA since the start, writing for our international extravaganza last summer. He's a common writer for The Brief, and he's always a friendly face at our social events. I will say I don't politically agree with the guy, but he's a good friend nonetheless. So if you just introduce yourself, please, and say what you're here to talk about. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, I'm Frank, uh, Frank Roberts. I'm a third-year politics student, and I'm here to talk about uh, Burkina Faso and uh, the recent coup in, in that country, and also the wider uh, implications for Western Africa and, indeed, Africa as a whole. So, yeah, looking forward to it. That's fantastic, Frank. It's great to have you on. So my first question for you is, what is going on in Burkina Faso then? Can you just give us an overview of what's been going on? Yeah, so basically Burkina Faso, uh, obviously it's a country located in West Africa. Um, it's quite impoverished, uh, as one 
may expect basically between uh so sort of around this january uh the 23rd specifically um there was a lot of pressure emerging within the political elites um of Burkina Faso um owing to the increase owing to the ongoing security concerns um regarding terrorism and so forth and basically there was a military coup um this has become quite common um in the region you've seen uh, recent coups in Mali um there was obviously uh the uh, the conflict in Chad um in 2020 um, so President uh, Roch Kabore um, has now been deposed and he'd been serving as the president of Burkina Faso since 2014, um, which, or oh, well, 2015, I should say, um, and basic after which had obviously, which had followed a previous coup, um, which I, I might talk about a bit later. But essentially, President Kabore had alienated support, um, alienated his support within his elites. Um, and so now the country is led by um, a Paul Henry San Diego de Miva, um, who is a military general. Um, and we can talk about the various, um, the, well, the two main factions um, vying for control of Burkina Faso's elite um, a bit later on. But essentially, uh, the country has now been expelled from the African Union. It's been expelled from ECOWAS, which is the regional group. Um, for Western African countries, and essentially um, there was a lot of concern um, that obviously the Burkina Faso may not hold elections. The, the constitution was reinstituted on the 31st of January, and they they have pledged to hold elections at the that will be I I think the quote is um, satisfactory to all, um, but the exact timeline is still unclear. Okay, excellent, Frank. So I just want to push you then on the causes of this coup because you said about elite alienation I was just hoping uh, you could expand a bit more upon that for our audience yeah so so first of all I think one should start off by describing the security situation in Burkina Faso um so since about around 2010 onwards um this has been going on before but it's really um, escalated since I, uh, during the previous decade there have been a lot more jihadist activity in Burkina Faso. Obviously, it's quite a weak state, as, as one may expect. It's quite typical for the region. And so um, the government, uh, governments of various stripes, be it the um, previous regime before 2014, be it, um, be it uh, obviously, President Kabore, and be it the now incumbent uh, President uh, Damiba, there is... A common need um, to have sort of ex an external security present. Now, historically, this has been provided predominantly via French troops. Um, France, obviously, being the former colonial power in the region, uh, many claim that they instigated a 1987 coup in the region, which brought down the popular president Thomas Sankara. But that that would be a that would be a debate for another day. Um, but essentially, France's involvement in the region has been, you know long-standing and historic and very much President Kabore was an ally of the French. He was very much, uh, he was very supportive of having French security um, but there was increasing, uh, there was an increasing view I think amongst uh, the elites of Burkina Faso that this was becoming insufficient um, and so the new uh, president, President Demiba, um, is very much, very much more um, in favour of uh, Russian 
um, security forces like the security forces we've seen in the Central African Republic. Um, um, you, uh, you may or may not be aware, obviously, there's been a civil war in the Central African Republic, and that's led to um, sort of the Central African Republic government uh, basic uh, exists in, that, in part because of uh, Russian security presence. Now, this isn't formally attached to the Russian state, it's um, an organisation uh, known as the uh, Werner Group, uh, or the Wagner Group, sorry. Um, but obviously, there have been reports that they are quite closely linked to, to the Russian government, and that's basically the, ma that's the main conflict. Um, the security crisis, that is. Um, the clashes between the various ethnic groups in Burkina Faso are quite bitter, um, and the security concerns were so pronounced in Burkina Faso that in March 2020, um, and this is before the pandemic, this is like very early March, like first week of March, so this is before you can say the pandemic really affected this, 2,500 schools were closed, um, and that equates to about 350,000 people, Burkina Faso being a very young country. Um, so this basically, this just highlights the extent of the security crisis. Effectively, um, Zamiba is making a bet that Russian involvement will give them a, a much uh, greater chance of re-establishing some control in areas of the country, which, you know, they've, they've had limited control. And the clashes are really bitter. Um, I mean, both sides have committed various atrocities throughout the last decade and there's no suggestion that that's going to stop but it's a question of can the government strengthen their position with Russian ties rather than French ones and there's lots of colonial um, there's lots of reasons to do colonialism why there is increasing hostility um, towards uh, towards France okay Frank so my last question for you is what has been the aftermath of this coup what lies in the future of Burkina Faso now Obviously, it's difficult to say. I mean, I suppose the first point to make is uh, internally, um, the coup seems to have been received quite uh, with, with a decent degree of popular support. Um, there have been, again, as I was saying just before, the French uh, involvement was always a contentious issue, particularly because of what happened with former President Thomas Sankara. But also, there the, the, the broad implications for Africa are quite could be quite pronounced. We've already seen over the last few months a series of coup d'etat attempts and successful ones in in Mali. Um, obviously, we've, we've heard about what's happened in Chad. Um, and basically, other states in the region are, you know, are quite worried about what's going on. Um, just, I think it was on Tuesday, there was an attempted coup d'etat, a failed attempt, it must be stressed, in Guinea-Bissau, a country also in the region. Um, and... Uh, the, the foreign minister of Niger is, was particularly alarmed about the increased proliferation of coups such as those in Mali or in Guinea because they think they might well be next. Um, a lot of a lot of fragile states in the region are, are worried that this these coups are becoming an inspiration um, to other leaders. So obviously, they've been expelled from the African Union as a consequence. Um, that's become almost the norm for these West African coups. Obviously, Mali have been excluded, um, and uh, Mali's, Mali, they've gone further because more time has elapsed since the coup and no elections have been held. If Burkina, if Burkina Faso were to hold elections promptly, they would probably be reinstated to most of these institutions. 
Um, but as we've seen with the instance of Mali, that's far from a given. And it's very difficult to hold elections in Burkina Faso. Um, it's all well and good to say, well, elections need to be held. But the last elections in 2020, it was impossible to hold po uh, you know, any representative polling in several areas of the country because those areas aren't controlled by the government. Um, they're controlled by various uh, militias. And that, that just leads to a situation where they could almost, Burkina Faso could be trapped in between having to hold elections, um, which are incomplete, or not holding elections at all. I imagine the leaders will hold um, elections and that will um, allow them to be reintegrated to the international community, but that's not certain. Um, it's too early to tell. The reinstitution of the constitution, uh, well that wasn't intended to rhyme, but it does. Um, the, the, the resumption of the constitution um, on the 31st of January is probably, uh, could probably be considered a good sign in that regard, but again, it's probably too early to, to have a definitive view on, on, on the future of Burkina Faso. But the future of the countries surrounding Burkina Faso, well, that is definitely more fragile than it was um, before the coup, as we've seen with Guinea-Bissau. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you, Frank, for that fascinating and in-depth insight into Burkina Faso. Thank you very much for having me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's been our show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for listening. Stay safe out there and we'll see you in the next two weeks.